Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. And welcome back once again to Gag Reel. Your number one stop for talking about bad comedy movies, good comedy movies, and everything in between. I am your host, Ryan Scanlon, and I'm always joined by my brother, Will. Hey, we're back. We are back. Yeah, this is a, a sequel to an episode about sequels. You are here to hear our top four comedy sequels of all time. The best ones ever. Yeah, well, according to us and the allegedly and the few weeks of research that we did. Yeah. So, is this definitive? No. Who knows? Maybe we'll revisit it a few years and we'll make the real definitive one. Like the the we'll have a mathematical equation and we'll uh we'll find the true answer to what are the top comedy sequels of all time, I like but this. for now we have a slightly less scientific approach, and we have devised our own top eight comedy sequels of all time. Go back to episode one if you want to hear about movies eight through five. So, I don't have much else to say here, Will. I don't have any other updates. You got anything? You know, a no, I'm ready to get to this episode, long. man. Now I'm back, and things have not gotten much easier. My new story starts where the last one sort of faded out. Look, Cracker, don't you be talking no far as gum crap to me, you little bitch waffle. She. Okay, so I think something that um, we need to talk about before we dive in is one, like, what are our honorable mentions? And two, what makes a bad comedy sequel bad, you know? Okay. Like, when when people saw Zoolander two or Dumb and Dumber two, and walked out dissatisfied, why is that? Yeah, that's a good question. And obviously, those are two unhonorable mentions right there. Yes, I did a little like mini brainstorm deep dive into what could make a sequel go wrong, because like I just started asking myself after watching and looking into so many comedy sequels and realizing that. So many of them suck. Even the ones that are good can't quali- can't qualify as great, you know? And so I just started asking like myself, what makes a good comedy sequel? It was too tough a question to answer because there were just so few. But I didn't understand why not. You know, like in my head, the concept seems incredibly simple because in a smaller sense, comedy sequels are everywhere that, and, and they work. In the form of sitcom episodes, you know, every new episode of It's Always Sunny or Rick and Morty or whatever, the characters that everyone knows, you know, whatever the show is, the characters that everyone knows go on a new adventure that puts them into a new situation and the funny ensues. But when it comes to movies, what is it that goes wrong? So I came up with three potential problems. Yeah, it lay them, lay them right. down. So sequel problem number one. So the writer may initially want to put the characters into a new situation and see what happens. But at the same time, the studio is demanding sameness because they want it to make money. And they're worried that if they don't repeat the same beats of the first movie, then people won't show up. So I guess 
Problem number one would be studio interference. Problem number two is a bigger one, but it, it comes from actual quality situations. Overstuffedness. Not a word, but it, it's a word I'm using. Overstuffedness. Basically, this is when the filmmaker's second chance to, you know, like this is the, the you know, the filmmaker's second chance. They get to throw mm. in all the jokes they thought of for the first one, but didn't get to put in. It's a chance to throw in everything they're thinking of right now at the moment and a chance to cram in all these big ideas that maybe the first one was supposed to be about, but it went over too many people's heads. And also they're more sure of themselves because the first one was such a hit that they're worried less about getting everything perfect because their inner critic has quieted a bit due to the ego boost. I think. With, so what, what are some examples? I think ultimately the one? biggest example of this one is Anchorman 2. Mm. I think it's just way too many of these like random thoughts that popped into their heads. And so they're throwing out all these jokes yeah. that don't necessarily work because th their inner critic is gone. Uh, there are some good ones in, in the movie, you know, it's, it's, but like, that's one where you get well, you know, like qu quality filmmakers, a quality cast, and it just falls flat because I just think there's just too much on the table. Yeah. Sequel problem number three, this is the polar opposite of the last one, a complete lack of ideas. You know, when mm -hmm. a sequel is forced on the filmmakers who would have preferred to do something new and have no idea how to follow up the first. This tends to rear its head with comedies that were more plot oriented the first time around and were about characters that were created to deal with a specific situation and grow and the story ends in a definitive way. Like, imagine what would happen if A Fish Called Wanda had a sequel. It would never work in a million years. You know, those story, those characters in that story complemented each other in such a way that to bring them back for any follow-up story, it'd be a disaster. You know, like, these tend to end up becoming sad echoes of the first and come off as strangely pathetic. Other sequels I can list in this category, which is actually most of them, you know, The Hangover Part 2, Legally Blonde mm -hmm. 2, Weekend at Bernie's 2, Horrible Bosses 2, many others. In fact, actually, pretty much most sequels for comedies fall into this category. You know that guy? I've never seen him before. What's going on here? This place is absolutely a mess. I thought things were dirty last time, but this time it's filthy. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. All this mud. <laughs> it's covered in mud again. Yeah, no, I buy that. Also, you know, like, I, I, I guess... This could end up with the movies becoming any of that, but I feel like a lot of times you mentioned Hangover 2. Um, we haven't mentioned it yet, but Airplane 2, Caddyshack 2. These are all victims of studios doing these on their own entirely uh, without any of the original oversight. Uh, and, and I feel like that can lead to multiple of these these hindrances happening and are often what happens with comedy sequels. Yeah, but, uh, complete studio takeover. I guess that would be problem number four. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I feel like it still leads to the other problems you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, so I, I feel like the three covers everything. Pretty wild. Yeah. It's a good formula. But from there, you know, now that we've listed what makes a good sequel... I guess, in one sense, just don't fall into any of those categories. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think through the first episode, we, we touched on a lot of like what we think makes 
a sequel work, you know, like just expanding on the characters, showing them in different scenarios. And just like with the sitcom, what makes those be- the best sitcom episodes be the best episodes is that it takes the characters that you know and love and are well-defined and further defines them, adds more backstory or just shows them in a great moment. Yeah. I think if, if the first movie was mostly character based, then it should be a new adventure. The character think more Indiana Jones than yeah. Star Wars. Sure, you know, like make it a new adventure where you know you hit similar beats, you follow a similar formula, but and and a lot of mo- and comedy singles do fall flat still when you follow those rules. You know, like uh, I, I have a whole list of honorable mentions that you know do things differently and have a you know, like take the characters in a new direction and just still don't work because it's comedy. Yeah. Comedy's fickle. It's also, it's like I mentioned before in the first episode, it, it's so hard to, for like something like an anchor man, something that like comes out of nowhere and just surprises people with it's non sequitur humor and just uh, having these, these strange moments uh, out, out of nowhere. Like you can't really ever follow up with that because people are expecting for the unexpected. Exactly. So I think we should go through and list a few honorable mentions before we go too long here and then uh, get into our number four. Okay. All right. You go first. I want to mention this definitely didn't go on my list. I went back and rewatched it and there's a lot of dated stuff in it and a lot of maybe I've just kind of like, you know, maybe don't find it as amusing as I used to like the the overall sensibilities uh, of the humor uh, of Kevin Smith. But Clerks 2, uh, I think, did some fun, interesting stuff with the characters. And it, like, took the heart that was the original movie and expanded it and opened it up even more, added this bigger cast, gave it color, you know, in in a fun way. Uh, I think say what you will about, you know, like, uh, those movies or just uh, his films in general, but... I feel like that movie definitely deserved its like uh, earned earned its place as a worthy sequel. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think they're they're interesting. They're fun indie movies, and um, I, I think he it, like through those movies, especially the first Clerks, uh, just inspired so many filmmakers to just kind of share their own lives. I feel like it's an angle of comedy that still isn't really well done uh outside of kevin smith of yeah this slice of life kind of thing that's also kind of raunchy and lowbrow like it's unique it's it's art house meets you know uh trash house like, yeah. yeah i don't know <laughs> something a, like that it's, yeah it's a it's a weird little bubble that no one's ever seemed to really match yeah so yeah, i thought that deserved mentioning also i i know people are probably are wondering there's a lot of you know animated family comedies that have great sequels toy story 2 toy story 3 even trek 2 you know there's a, there's a ton of those movies that have really great sequels and uh i didn't want to include in this list because i just want to avoid the kind of family comedy thing altogether for the most part okay yeah so i, I figured It'd be worth mentioning before anyone writes in, like, hey, why isn't Toy Story 2 on here? That's a great comedy sequel. Thought it'd be worth mentioning. We, we didn't do any of those for the sake of not doing any of them. Do you have any other honorable mentions? Yeah, what, what do you have? And yeah, Just name a few. Okay, I've got... Um, I didn't know which one to put because one of them is a reboot sequel, 
and the other is a sequel to that reboot sequel. So I'm lumping them into the same honorable mention. Uh, the Juman- the two Manjis. Yeah, new Manji. The new Manjis. Because uh, they both, they they take the original concept and act- and do an entirely different thing with them. And they're fun in their own right. And the sequel to the sequel was a surprisingly decent sequel. Yeah, it was actually a good movie. I'd put it above... You know, definitely above the Austin Powers sequel. You know, if we're just talking about well-made movie that actually has an emotional core. Yeah. Well-made flick. They're good. It's not hysterical, but it was a really clever spin Mm -hmm. by taking the characters in a different direction. But also on my uh, honorable mention list is uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Like, uh, let's step away from the time travel and let's uh, put them in hell. You know, like that's a really Mm -hmm. different different uh spin on things and and i and i thought they they pretty much nailed it in some ways the second one's better than the first it's a solid sequel yeah i feel like a lot of the novelty was around the time travel but like you know props to them for just abandoning that altogether you know if they maybe if they would have done that with back to the future sequels and just you know had a wacky scientific adventure with uh marty mcfly and doc brown maybe they would have been a little better I would oh, no. love to do an episode on the Back to Futures because of your disdain for the sequels. I just I want to hear I want to hear more of it though, because like some, you're they I got mean, a lot like, of great moments, but they're also I I agree that they're a mess. But, but they uh, tried so hard to just mimic the exact formula of the first one. This they really did exactly what were it was one of your no nos on the list. It really did, yeah. And uh, maybe I don't want to talk about it for a whole episode. We'll see. Um, <laughs> And then uh, I guess I, I have like a lump of sequels that are I would list in a lot of these uh, the problem areas, but still yeah. have enough funny moments to say that was a fun sequel. Rush Hour Two, sure. Deadpool Two, okay. Neighbors Two, Neighbors Two is great. Uh, Hot Shots Part Two, Naked Gun Two and a Half. Both of those were really uh on my first on my first short list of like what I'm considering for this those are those are great great and, sequels yeah and and those don't even like those specifically hot shots part 2 naked gun 2 and a half those specifically don't even uh break too many of the sequel problem rules that they 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 are in a lot of ways hot shots part 2 part 2 is really its own thing and it's funny yeah. but um and then uh the last one is an outlier because it really avoids a lot of those initial sequel problems, but has a bizarre long list of problems on its entire own. And that would be Ace Ventura 2. Yeah. Which like has some better bits than the first one. Oh yeah. Uh, It's got some truly hysterical moments, but the movie itself is a mess. Yeah. And it's got some real problem areas that uh, even uh, all of the creators have said, we're a real mess. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's comedy gold in there. There's yeah. some of the you know, it's one of those like, you know, you kinda look back shaking your head at like, you know, I laughed at chunks of that movie, but uh there there's some really good moments. Yeah. Probably one of the funniest cold opens. That's good. In any movie. The uh But we we need to get moving here. Okay. We got an episode. I think we need to get to our top four. Number four. What do you got? A Shot in the Dark. Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, sequel to The Pink Panther. Yeah. This one, unlike all the other ones, has does not have The Pink Panther in it. There is no mention of the diamond. Instead, you've just got P. 
Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau, and some of the most creative and outlandish and subtle slapstick mm-hmm. and just dry wit banter and just the dialogue is absolutely absurd sometimes and just like the performance is absolutely outstanding i I, i'm a big fan of ones like that that are you know it's not fully a parody movie but it kind of is you know it's taking all the flavor of an agatha christie of a sherlock holmes and then uh just doing its own version of that without being a full-on let's make fun of this thing absolutely I think I mentioned in a previous episode some of the best like action comedy choreography I've ever seen in a movie. Oh yeah, with with, with his fights with Kato. Yeah, there's it's it's hysterical as well as just like it, the whole movie is just a tour de force. It's a it's it's a very very funny movie, and um, the only thing that would probably be holding it back is the fact that it's from the '60s. You know, like other yeah. movies have done it, done similar things since then but then again this one still holds up for the most part there's some definite 60s bit yeah ness to it and so some asterisks yeah some caveats um and so i can't put it higher on the list because it's definitely a product of its time but it's got it's got some slapstick and some dialogue moments that you know like just aren't aren't toppable some like uh, I, in some ways I, I i'm it's weird how modern it feels but yet it's kind of just strange how you know like you watch it and you laugh and then you realize wow there haven't been clever slapstick bits like that in so long like what happened to that yeah that's yeah, true good question and i don't think our next one even though it has some good slapstick i don't think it uh it answers that no but, I think we should jump on to number three. Number three, what is it? And this is one that I did see on a ton of lists of best sequels all the time. And I think we did talk about it a bit. Uh, should it count? Because it is a threequel. This it's is a threequel. A, this is a part three in a series, I guess. It, it became a series. It definitely wasn't, I don't think, intending to be that. But uh, third movie of the National Lampoon's Vacation series. This is a Christmas vacation. Yes. After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! Oops. They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas. Which, speaking of slapstick, has some great, probably the best in the series, Chevy Chase, slapstick... Chevy Chase, who was famous on SNL for just falling down as Gerald Ford or, uh, you know, falling on his face. And I, I feel like, you know, even despite him kind of being an asshole in real life, supposedly, I mean, I never met him, but I heard all the horrible stories. <laughs> pretty pretty phys- physical comedy wise, pretty uh, unique angle to it and a uh, really hilarious voice. And that, I feel like that's all on uh on display here obviously it's 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 a it's a great movie that um i can't say never gets old because for years you know would watch it every single year sure. now i'm at the point where i don't need to 
Yeah, it's maybe been a few once years. every five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every almost every scene ends in a punchline, and has a good handful of them scattered throughout, and it uh, it builds up to uh, a really ridiculous kind of finale, but keeps this uh, the kind of uh, heartfelt nature of the you know the whole franchise with it the whole time. Ludicrous moments too like I, I love that it's just not afraid to like throw out the most ridiculous ideas of like oh yeah sure he has a a varnish that's like super non-stick and will let him literally rocket down a uh, a sledding hill yeah and then that they'll just and then there's just you know much more subtle dialogue humor and regular kind of uh sequences as well i don't know it's it just it's all over the place like with all the different kind of types of humor that it puts into it which i think yeah. helps it helps it work really well i think so too it's a solid movie what, what else do you need to know if and, you haven't and, ever seen it watch it and what other series like is the third movie arguably the best i don't think that happens too often usually by the time you're on the third film the stuff is just going downhill fast and the writing is uh just definitely not there there are very few franchises that get better, uh, you know, by the third movie. It just it just doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, arguably the fourth one's better than it's, the second two. I'm yeah, not saying it's better, better than, than the, the third, but yeah, just a uh, a unique franchise in that uh, it actually has decent sequels all 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 the way through, pretty much. Yeah. And this is definitely the most relatable and the most universally loved out of the whole series for, for good reason. And yeah. yeah, I don't feel like this is one of the few movies we don't really need to sit here and talk about much yeah. because it's already so well written on. And like I said before, it's on literally every list of top sequels of all time. We couldn't avoid it. We couldn't. So. All right. So we're on to number two. We made it to two. number two. Number two has more twos in it. Yeah. There's uh the most twos out of all these uh these listed. And that's two two jump street. Twenty two jump street is number two. Which it we're back in reboot territory here. Yeah. Is it, pretty fascinating how uh yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller took an uh an eighties TV show and uh, completely completely made it their own, just used the name for the most part. Yeah. And the basic idea of, you know, cops infiltrating undercover a high school and just made it into, you know, a, a modern comedy uh, from there. Yeah. The first one's great. It's hysterical. It's got so many laugh out loud moments. And the concept of making a sequel to that was just beyond outlandish. It's like, how, how could, how would you be able to do it again? And the answer was to, do it again with while over acknowledging that they're doing it again. Yep. And uh it and, they, and, they and in that, that well. sense it really should have collapsed under its own meta framework. But there's it too many didn't. movies that try that and fail of just yeah. let's make fun of the fact that we're doing a sequel. Yeah. Uh but I feel like it nails all those uh all those jokes and just has a lot of fun with it. Oh absolutely. It was it's a it's a very funny follow up to a very funny movie it's a solid sequel I put a number two on, my, on the list for a reason so do you like weather you do know each other no it's crazy all these uh, 
students and parents, potential witnesses. How did you two meet? Oh, I love meet cute stories. We met at a poetry slam, and then he stalked me back to my dorm room. Stalked her? Oh, that's so beautiful. Th then what happened? And then we hung out and we watched a movie. Actually, we watched it a couple times. Bullshit! Waiter! What can a black man do to get us some water around here? Give the fucking guy some water. He's black. He's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't really disagree. There's some of those where in some of these movies I was really sitting back and thinking, like, should they be higher? Is 22 Jump Street really that good? But, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with you. It's it's solid front, front to back. And unlike some of these, like, it, it genuinely has, like, jokes in every scene that work. Mm -hmm. There's also um, just the entire montage of the sequels to this movie. At the end of the yes, movie, yes, that's right. They go through every possible, you know, like lousy follow up to this, which definitely also felt like a big, like you know, we're closing the book, we're not doing it again to the studio kind of thing. Initially, there was going to be another one that was going to be a. Biz it sounds like a mess in my head, but if it was Phil Lord and Chris Miller involved, it probably would have ended up being funny. Basically, it was going to follow that montage. And oh. it would take place after they had done all those and they would uh, basically become a part of the Men in Black. Maybe they'll do that down the road, you know. I think it fell apart whenever they decided to do their own reboot of the Men in Black franchise with uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson instead. Yeah, that makes and sense. And that one didn't work out as well and didn't mm. make much money. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see it, so I, I got I got no thoughts. Um, yeah, that was part of the problem. I think the first one's the the good one out of that series, and mm. it's just been a forgettable franchise ever since. It's yeah, probably just should have stayed with one. Maybe so. I mean, it's always fun to see people shoot aliens with lasers and talk to yeah. dogs that have funny voices. But yeah, no, they, there's been no uh, no real surprise and magic in any of the sequels. Yeah, but are we doing this? Are we at number one? I think. We're finally here, and I'm curious. I, I feel like the audience uh, would probably expect this by now, but maybe not. Maybe they're waiting on us to say Nutty Professor 2. Maybe the they're waiting. Maybe they're waiting on us to say The Grinch 2. That Is there a back, Grinch 2? Back at it again. No, there's not, yeah. But I, I could see it. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I can't think of any exciting way to build this up. All right, number one, Son of the Mask. Yeah, you got it. Jamie Jamie Kennedy really did a doozy on this. Yeah, one. it killed it. It's it's I, no never watched that movie. Anyway, yeah, no. I feel bad for Duncan. So uh, you know, this isn't me dunking on Jamie Kennedy, but just the mess of that movie itself. You know, real number one. Paramount Pictures presents Extreme Closer. Wow! Just like the first movie. Wayne, it's Heather Locklear. There is a God. Heather be thy name. And Garth. I feel weird. In their first movie since their last one. What's it called? It's called, uh, the... It's called... Wayne's World 2. Yes! Wow. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. Welcome yep, so there you have it. And yeah, Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Which... I mean, I, I've heard some folks say that uh, they don't find it as amusing as the first. And, and yeah. I feel like that is the story of this whole list. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, 
I feel like I love that it, it goes more into parody and it goes way more into just 90s nonsense and uh, not being afraid to just throw out any reference and not being afraid to like just go completely off the wall. Not that the first yeah. one was, but I feel like the second one gets way more ridiculous. And uh, I think it deserves to be number one on any uh, of these lists, just let alone because it has more Chris Farley than the oh, original. Yeah. And it's got the walking. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's the only sequel I think that Chris Farley is in. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's way funnier than it should be, and in a no, lot 100%. of ways, kind of mirrors the first in how unnecessarily good it was. You know, like the first was way better than it should have been, being a film based on a mediocre SNL sketch, and somehow became this meta, cheeky, endearing movie that has become this comedy classic that still holds up in so many ways. The second. Should have been just a mediocre rehash of the first. Yeah, and we, we spoke a bit earlier about meta jokes and some movies not getting it right. And I, I feel like this does a good balance here in that like it does the kind of meta, let's re-roll the dice kind of thing with Wayne and uh, with Wayne and Cassandra's relationship. They do the whole re-roll thing and it's yeah. pretty much beat by beat the same scenario as the first one. But then the uh, the secondary plot of, you know, the uh, putting on the concert is completely fresh. Yeah. And uh, gets goes to way wilder places than the original A plot of the first movie does. And I think it's much more energetic and enjoyable than the uh the more kind of realistic uh stripped down plot of the the first movie exactly it it just it it gets funky with it even even the the b plot well which was yeah the b plot of the sec of this one with the cassandra getting getting her back once again Mm -hmm. it had you know such unexpected elements you know like suddenly they're in a, you know, like in a in a bar doing the YMCA, you yeah. know, like, and it's just, where did this come from? Uh, and uh, there's just like all sorts of Looney Tune bits like that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we. Excuse me. What are you guys doing here in the middle of the street? Well, I'm putting these chickens in crates and stacking them right here. Jim's job is to make sure we always have plenty of watermelons. Oh, so you're selling watermelons. No, no, sir. We just got to make sure there's plenty of them stacked at all times, just like the uh, chickens. What do these guys do? Well, their job is to walk back and forth with this big plate glass window every couple of minutes. That's weird. Yeah, you got to wonder if this is going to pay off later on. It's pretty much the same bit as in the first one of like, oh, that information seemed strange at first, but I guess, it, you know, it was useful in the end. I feel like this is going yeah, to be Yeah, but it's kind of the opposite <laughs> in that like it just made for that scene yeah. being like more cinematic and ridiculous, but didn't actually help anything really. No, no, no. Uh, I think it was an elevated yeah. bit there. Yeah, lots of strange, weird moments that uh, I'm all for. And I, I think makes the best sequels be better like when they lean into like let's just take this and go off the rails with it you mentioned before that like that kind of bit anchorman 2 in the ass but i think that was simply because like the first one had already gone as as as, as far as it could yeah I, I just i don't i think they were at a point of no return there of like how do you get more ridiculous than this i was like i don't i don't yeah. think you really can and have the audience still be with you but uh, yeah. I think because the first one hadn't gone as crazy, they were able to just, you know, be be really ridiculous with this. Yeah, just go balls to the wall crazy. Have a Jurassic heavy. Park 
parody, a Terminator yeah, Jurassic... 2 parody, a, like Kung Fu movie parody, uh, uh, and kick it all out with uh, uh, the Graduate parody. Yeah, yeah, of course. And like random Charlton Heston moment. Like this, Yes. All these great bits that like I remember and just associate with Wayne's World as a whole. I feel like I look back and realize like, oh, almost all those are from the second one. And it's got Rip Taylor. Yeah. And being hilarious too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also like, I feel like it, it leans even harder into the just uh, love of rock and roll culture that the first one was so wrapped up in and was mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think that was kind of the core of the movie originally of like, let's do this movie. That's just, you know, kind of an ode to rock and roll called slackers. Um, yeah. And Canada. And Canada. Well, why not? I mean, there's not a whole lot of point to either movie in terms of like a social commentary. No, no. Instead, it's just a bizarrely, uh, bizarrely soulful ridiculousness. Yeah. I guess I. Yeah. yeah I think they, they both kind of brush up, uh, you know, and talk about some of the issues and thoughts of the time with, uh, yeah. you know, like um, selling out. Uh, commercialism and like the stuff that like was kind of in the ether of rock and roll and just the arts at the time in general but for the most part it's you know it's just backdrop you know it's not intentionally trying to make points on that yeah but great sequel in my opinion and i think it uh even though it doesn't really elevate garth and wayne it it still does more comedically and it elevates the uh, the humor. Yeah. And I mean, although it works out in the end, I, I give the movie props for almost going to a place where the, the main character doesn't succeed. Like, I just, I love that sequence when he's back in the desert and he's like, well, what was the point of all this? <laughs> he's like, because you tried. And you and it's just like, huh, I guess that really is pretty poignant in a, in a slacker type culture. Yeah, yeah. The fact so. that someone tried doing something doesn't really matter if it worked out or not. I, th- I thought that was a pretty poignant thing to say for such a silly movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, despite, you know, all the uh, ethical fallacies of Mike Myers works, especially the later ones. Like, I think there is a lot of heart to all of the stuff he writes. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, very apparent in both of the Wayne's World movies. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's it for this time. Uh, that was exhausting. But a we good, did it. We did it. We did a good little run here. Uh, as always, you can write in to gagrealpod at gmail.com or go to gagrealpod.com or just look up at gagrealpod on the social media websites. At the gaggy. Next week, we are going to... Was this, was this all just a lead-in for our next episode? You tell me, because next week we are going to be talking about... The Mike Myers, 1996. What year was it, Will? 1996. The Mike Myers, 1996 comedy. 1997. Damn it, Will. Sorry. We are going to be talking about the 1997 quote unquote classic. I don't know. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. And yeah, so buckle in for that one. Uh, It's going to be Shagadelic, baby. Keep it real. Take it easy. It's over now.